testimonies that, that I'm sure are going to come our way. In fact, stay tuned from the 20th for a month. We're going to be having um, individuals come up and share their testimonies of what God is doing in terms of going out and reaching our community even more. So from the 20th, right, just to the week before Easter. So we're really looking forward to that. Now, I want us to pray this prayer, the Our Father. Hallelujah. Yeah. This is a prayer that we are praying in unity as one, one body to yes. whose Father? Our Father. Amen. Not just my Father, not just your Father, but it's our Father. So in that first statement in itself, it already indicates to us that we are related. Hallelujah. That's good. That we are related. So we are joined. He may be from Brazil, but man, we are related. Hallelujah. So, and, and because it's our Father, what I believe is going to happen, you can believe as well. Why should it only rest in me? Why not with you too? Because he's our Father. Otherwise, Jesus would have said, let me teach you how to pray. Because remember, the, the disciples said this. They didn't come and ask him, give me power, give me this, give me that. The first thing, Lord, teach us how to pray. In Matthew 6, that was what they asked. They asked him because they saw this immense power working in the life of Jesus. That they knew it had to come from somewhere. Where is it? We've realized it comes from your life of prayer. Amen? From the life of prayer. So he said, so they went up to him and, he, and, and asked Jesus, show me our Father. So he said, so... So please, let's stand and let's begin to pray this prayer together. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. One more time. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. It's going to go to 12. And ever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, let's pray the message version. Our Father in heaven, reveal who you are. Amen. Set the world right. Do what's best as above, so below. Keep us alive with three square meals. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. You're in charge. You can do anything you want. You're ablaze in beauty. Yes, yes, yes. Amen. Now, in case you're wondering whether you could have four square meals, the answer is no. You're stuck to three square meals, okay? So all of you who are having more than three square meals, please come back to, I mean, four square meals, come back to three, hallelujah. Oh, God bless you guys. Grab a seat. Thank you. Thank you so much. Folks, if you, if you really want, not, I shouldn't say really, if you have the time, even if you don't want to, please consider this. Please pray. Please pray.
and give your names to my good-looking man here, Anguk, right? Say it all with, oh, can you all pronounce his name with me? Anguk. Am I correct? Anguk, right? It's not Angok, it's Anguk. Okay, say it one more time. Okay, great. So you can go up to Anguk or you could go to Laurent. Amen. And please give your names. Please give your names to those of you who can help. Uh, we, some, we even need someone to sometimes drive the bus as well. So we'd really love, you, love, love some help. And the other that I, I do want to emphasize today as well is our kids' ministry really needs help. We need volunteers. Uh, Kev's not here. Krista is not here as well because they're down there really uh, supporting the work down there. So, But that's fine. We're, we're happy and willing to do that. Amen. So you'll find the pastors, if they're not preaching or not sharing or not doing anything, they're going to be down with the kids or with, or with the youth. But we need more volunteers. We need more volunteers. We're willing to train you. You'll go through an induction process so that even the younger kids will have an opportunity to also learn and to also be discipled and to be blessed. We want our little, we, I shouldn't say little children, we want our children to grow up in the ways of the Lord and to be familiar with the ways and with the things of God. Hallelujah. Now, Jesus made this a priority. Yes. Yes. 50 plus ain't a priority in the eyes of Christ. I can afford to say that because I'm in that league too, right? But the children are, the youth are, because he said, suffer not the little children to come unto me. That's why I place that. He says, suffer, do not resist that. You know, make sure that we don't hold them back. Hallelujah. So if you are in 50 plus, praise God, you get to go. You get to go. Say that with me. We get to go. Say that one more time. Ah, there you see all the 50 plus. Hallelujah. Praise God. You get to go and volunteer and work with kids. And you know what? How fortunate it is. Most of you, are at a, those of you who are in the 50 plus age category, you know why you love it? Because you love grandchildren, don't you? So there's your opportunity. You've got, you've got loads of grandkids. Even if you don't have one yet, you've got quite a few there. So please... Make yourselves available and give your names to Stuart or to Sharon. Amen. Say that with me. Stuart or oh, Sharon. Okay, that's good. Now, now that I've taken about 10, 15 minutes on advertising for volunteers, I'm, I'm believing that we're going to have a lot just sign up this week. Thank you so much. Now, we've been on, the, on a series, and I've, I've entitled it Efficacy of, of Church or Church Life, Right? Part one, part two, part three, and today we're going to do part four, but each part has a subcategory, and today's subcategory or, or subtopic is the power of one, right? The power of one. And, and today's, today's aspect, when I'm, what I'm going to be touching on, the power of one, is not so much the power of oneness amongst us, but it's the power of oneness between us and Christ. It's this power of oneness that I know I have with Jesus. Because once we begin to, to, to attain this understanding and this revelation, nothing can stop you and I, guys. Once you and I know that we are one with Christ, not just as a, as, as a uh, figure of speech or not, not just as something that is symbolic or not just, oh, it's a, it's, it's a fact, it's, a, it's, it's true, but 
doesn't seem to be the truth in my life. Because when, when we come to that place of knowing that I am so intertwined with Christ, and how do I do that? It's, it's just a powerful, powerful experience, right? Now, in... Oh. Okay. This has been the prayer that, uh, that I've, I've, been, I've been sharing over the last few weeks. Right, and I, I want to remind us of this prayer every week. Pray this prayer with me. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Say that again, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity, not partial, but complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. This is what I've entitled as, or I call this a world-altering prayer, right? We want to see the world change. We want to see the world transform. This is the prayer. You know, sometimes we, we pray and we say that we are, in the, we are in the last generation for the coming of the Lord. I, I, I don't want to burst your bubble, but there are many things that need to happen before that. So many things that Amen. need to happen. And I don't, at the rate we're going, I don't think this generation, whether you're 50 plus or whether you're 30 plus, I don't think you're going to see that. Amen. You know, my oldest son keeps asking me, Dad, you say this generation, this generation, and, and we were talking about when I mentioned birth pangs, well, what, what do you mean by birth pangs? You know, birth pangs. And, you know, we, we know what it means that when... When, when you see things, rumors of war, because we're talking about Russia and Ukraine and all of that, that's, that's now taken, taken our mindset away from the pandemic. And uh, it's, yeah, it's taken our mindset away from the pandemic and it is now put us in this maybe nuclear holocaust or may, maybe something like that might, might, might take place. We don't know. There is so much of uncertainty. Amen. And the, and the history behind all of what is, how all of this has come about is very interesting. And it's a good read for you. I think it's good for us to really check into why this is happening the way it is. Right? It, it is important because you can also see that in Scripture. There is prophecy. Right? But, but beyond that, I'm, I'm not going to go into any eschatology today as such. But I think I am, I am going to touch on it maybe in weeks to come in regards to the context of, of unity, right? And that based on that, if we want to see the coming of the Lord, we need to work on this. This is an important aspect for us to consider. And this is an important aspect for us to work on. Amen. And I really love the part where it says this, that I have given them glory that you gave me, that they may be as one, that I have given them glory that you have, that you have given 
that you gave me. So now ask yourself this. Now, we, when we worship the Lord, we glorify God. Am I right? So we glorify God from the context that we also need to realize that He has given us glory, that we carry glory, that we've got glory. But we are so afraid, of course, we are afraid to begin to think that, Lord, I don't want to take any glory from you. You can't take anything from Him that He has given you now. That He's given this to you. So you're not taking that away from Him. But you and I need to come to a place where we begin to recognize this. Do you know why? When we don't recognize it, we begin to live as paupers. We begin to live in a place where we feel, I am not good enough. I don't think, I, I, I think they are, they, they, are, they are better. Maybe the elders will have glory. Maybe the pastors will have glory. Oh, I'm just a connect group leader. Maybe worse off, I'm not even anything. I'm just a member. Man, you are the son and daughter of the living God, of the most high God. You carry that glory. Not an elder, not necessarily a pastor. You and I carry that. We are on equal footing when it comes to the glory of God and to our position in Christ. Our responsibilities may be different. Our office may be different. But boy, oh boy, we are on equal footing when it comes to us being in Christ. Amen. So you have the same power that I have, right? But I'm going to go after him. I'm going to chase after him, right? And I will chase and chase and chase after him. If it meant for me to give up my banking job and go after him full time, I did. And I continued. Now, it doesn't mean that all of us obviously need to do that. But within that whole context was and is the call of God. So where has God called you? I, I really feel from today's uh, worship, there is, if, if, there's, if there's one aspect that I want to bring out is this. The Lord is asking us to return. There is a returning for some of us, if not for all of us. Jesus. We need to return to a place that you personally have desired. And you have thought that it is too far-fetched. So today I want to talk about that power of one. That power of oneness that you can attain or have already attained in Christ. Amen. So for Jesus to ask the Father to make us one, as he and the Father are one, is to ask that we be so joined to one another, right? And to him and to one another, that we are all or can be of the same mind and judgment. And thus, inseparable. Imagine that, that we all think alike. We have the same mind and same judgment when it comes to the things of the Spirit. Right? Some of you may like durian, some of you may not like. But we all like fruit. Amen? Because it's a fruit. Hallelujah. You know what durians are, right? And if you don't like it, man, you better pray and ask God to help deliver you from it. Because it's one of the best. It's the king of fruit, they call it. Hallelujah. <laughs> so is this too far-fetched? The question is, is it too far-fetched now? Or is there something, maybe there's a hidden meaning in all of this that we see. There. I think there's a hidden meaning. I don't think that can be as what it says. So I know I've said this in a couple of, couple of weeks. I said, indulge with me for a moment now and begin to 
Let me ask you this question. Could it mean that Christians won't believe, that won't believe things are different from one another? That means as Christians, we cannot believe things that are different from one another. Does it mean that? That we won't say things that, are, that will contradict one another. Does it mean that as well? No, of course it doesn't mean that. It's having our own unique personalities, right? That despite of our different personalities, that we can have the same mind again regarding the things of the Spirit. That is, we will have what the Word of the Lord says, the mind of Christ. So what does it mean for you and I to have the mind of Christ? I don't have the mind of Anuk, or I don't have the mind of Yvonne, or I don't have the mind of Peter. I have the mind of Christ. That's why Jesus, uh, not Jesus, Paul comes to him and said, is Christ divided? Did, in fact, he tells them, the, 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 the Corinthian church, he said, was Paul crucified? Meaning himself, he's saying, was I really crucified? So the, the, the context here of being of one mind, it is actually achievable. We have over years, I have never had someone tell me that. Never in all of my Christian walk ever tell me that we can all be of the same mind in terms of judgment. So I have only continued to believe that it is okay to be divisive. In fact, let's celebrate our divisiveness. And so where has it left the church? It has left us at a place where we are a laughing stock to the world. The world looks at us and thinks, why would I even want to get into that place? Why would I want to? What is so attractive about them when there is so much of squabbling, when there is so much of dissension, when someone disagrees, I can just walk away. I can just go and start another church, or I can just go somewhere else. Oh, I can just get online now. I don't need to come. I don't need to be part of this. Yet we sing songs like, I don't need anyone else. I don't need anything else. You are my one thing. You are my one thing. So again, let me put this to you. Is Christ divided? If Christ is not divided, we cannot be divided then. We cannot be divided. And if we are, we need to work on making sure that that does not exist in our midst. And we can because he's given that to us. He's made that possible to us. That is our one major assignment. Amen. That we be one in that sense. So as disciples of Christ, we need to have the mind of Christ, not the mind of someone else. Or simply not my own mind. Right, having the mind of Christ, obviously, folks, you, you and I know it's easier said than done. Right, in verse 16 of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Oh, it's here. Excuse me, guys. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. For he who has understood the mind of the Lord, so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Imagine that. He says this, right? For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? And so now Paul tells the Corinthian church, hey, note, but we have the mind of Christ. How, how awesome is this? 
that you have the mind of Christ. Tanya, you have the mind of Christ. Susanna, you have the mind of Christ. Trevor, you've got the mind of Christ. So Paul is stating that we as believers have, have his mind, have the mind of Christ in decision making, right? It is present with us, but I probably suggest that it has been tucked away. It has been pushed by the wayside because we have looked at it very differently. So let me encourage this this morning. Let me encourage us in, this, in, in, in our walk with the Lord to begin to develop. So today I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to harp on the mind of Christ. Amen? Now, when we moved um, about a year ago, we obviously had boxes packed, and some of those boxes were packed two, three years ago, and never knew what was in some of those boxes until recently. And I've been looking for my camera. I had a camera, right? I've been looking for one. I've been looking for that, and I thought, um, I, I, I thought it's lost, and I thought, hmm, this is a good excuse now for me to buy a, a new, better camera, right? But I didn't dare bring it up. But I thought. Maybe I, maybe I can. And suddenly, lo and behold, as we were clearing the garage, I saw, actually, I didn't see the box. My son saw this box there. As he opened it, he says, oh, there it is. All of the things that, I, it was like major treasure. And when I looked at it yesterday and I saw all, all of my treasure that I thought was gone is all in there. And you know, the, 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 the most bizarre thing about stuff like that is this. It, I was able to live without it. It didn't somewhat impact me. Until I looked at it yesterday and I saw. I said, oh gosh, how I wish if I had it earlier. Because I could have done this, 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 this. I could have enjoyed this and that. And it's the same thing with our own Christian walk. Right? With particular promises like this, for instance, the mind of Christ. You know, we can live without really getting to understand this fully what it means to have the mind of Christ. We can live and we will go to heaven by all means. We will definitely, it is not something that will hinder your salvation. But what it will hinder is your maturity and your, and, and, and your progression in the Lord. What will hinder is this, the, the progress of the church, the maturity of the church will be hindered in a tremendous way because we have all not attained the mind of Christ. So just like that box, in a sense that it, it, it was away and it didn't really have much of an impact on me. Until now that I found it, I've, I felt, wow, this is great now, right? This is so good, right? So often it is, it, it is, so often that is how it is with us, that we forget that we actually have the mind of Christ with us. Hence, we have, we don't seem to have the capacity to base a lot of our decisions on understanding the mind of Christ. So we struggle to hear him. We think, I can't really hear him. When it should be like that as to what, you know, Giovanna was praying and she said, no, I'm going to pray. Oh, I believe that she is healed. I believe that. Whether you can contact the person or not, it's besides the point, I believe that. And bam, it really happened, right? So what is given to us needs to be cultivated, folks. 
right? Because the mind of Christ, when the mind of Christ begins to govern us, that's the best antidote for depression, anxiety, confusion, lack of wisdom, all of that, right? So we need to begin to cultivate this, right? So when it is within our grasp and it is not accessed, what then begins to happen? What happens to you and I? When something is within our grasp and we don't begin to access all of what is within our grasp, we come to a place where we then begin to, f- begin to feel that I don't need that. I don't need to fully embrace that. It's, it's okay, I can live without it. Or that we begin to apply a mixture and hence find ourselves in confusion. I'll apply a little bit of the mind of Christ and I'll apply mine and then I'll apply the things of the world. And so it's, it's a salad. It becomes a salad and, 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 and we live our lives like that. So till eternity, till we meet him, we will never know what it fully means to embrace the entirety of this, of his mind. And so there's a lot of work in that. That's why Paul says that he talks about the context of salvation with fear and trembling. Approach it with fear and trembling. Meaning there is this whole process of transformation that begins to take place. That our minds need to be transformed as in Romans chapter 12. Right? So there is all of this. And why again? So that you and I can achieve that place that has already been given to us. So it's it's like it's, it's inside of us. It's deep within us. And you need to begin to search for it. You begin to need to search for it. You know, it's like, it's, it's like your favorite food. You know, that, that you, when, you, when, when you get this favorite food of yours and you're looking for that, that, that particular ingredient in there which just is so satisfying. And you search for it and you search for it. And then when you don't find it, can you imagine how frustrating it becomes? You feel like giving it back to the guys that you bought it from and you think, what a ripoff. Like if I get, if I go and get this banmi, you know what that Vietnamese roll, right? Yeah. Man, if they don't put those fresh chilies in there and put some mixture, gosh, I want to give it back to them, man. <laughs> because the fresh chili just hits it at the right place. It just brings everything together, right? <laughs> so, you know, the, the, the mind of Christ, in a sense, you know, I'm not trying to be sacrilegious here, but the mind of Christ, in a sense, it's, it's that. That he just pulls everything. It pulls all of his truth. The truth that is there within. The word of God is better understood. Is better realized. You and I better live ourselves in that sense too. Right? So let's look at the NIV, how the NIV puts it. The mind of Christ. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 16, it says this in, in the NIV, right? It says, For who has known the mind of the Lord? The Lord's thoughts, right? The, in the NLT, it says, Who knows the Lord's thoughts? So as to instruct him. Who is the him? Yourself. So as to instruct yourself. And he says, But we have the mind of Christ. So with the mind of Christ, I can now begin to instruct myself. I can instruct myself in the way that I should go because I have his mind. Now, and, and before you actually look at that, 
Isaiah 55, this is very interesting. Isaiah 55 says this, right? His thoughts are higher than our, our thoughts. His ways are higher than, than our ways. Note, folks, that is in the Old Testament. That was way before Jesus came and said to us that you are now seated with me in heavenly places as of Ephesians chapter, chapter 2, verse 6. He says, we are now seated in heavenly places. So what is he saying? Yes, to those who are in the Old Testament, they needed, they didn't know, they, they weren't at your place. They are not at the same place that you and I were. So they needed to realize that his thoughts were higher, his ways are higher. Now we've come into a sphere and into a relationship with the Lord where we are co-heirs with Christ Jesus and we are seated in heavenly places with him. So he's now given us what the Father has given and he's given that to us. Folks, man, you, need to, you should be standing up and, 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 and shouting out and saying hurrah or hooray or being so excited about this truth. Of course you're not excited. I mean, don't you think, now just think for a while, just think for a while, how exciting it is to know. I am now seated with him in heavenly places. He has given me his mind. I have his mind, right? I'm in a position where I now don't need to live and think like a pauper. I don't need to live and think like as if I am a failure. I don't need to live in my shame. I don't need to live in my guilt. I can now begin to employ the truth that I am his child, his son, his daughter, and that I can. I can now speak the words he speaks. Do the things that he does. But who wants to keep us at a place where we will always seem defeated? the enemy, Satan. It's the devil who comes to accuse you and I. Yes. Hallelujah. So as we, as we look at these points right before you, it says, right? So he raises from dead along with Christ in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6, it says this, he raised us from dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. Because we are united with Jesus Christ. So when, when he was crucified, do you think the enemy knew the plans that the father had for his son? Because if he did, what would he have done? He would have killed all the Jews. Because they were the ones who crucified him. He would have stopped them from crucifying him. But he didn't know. So he goes to the cross. From the cross then, before he goes up, he goes down to hell, to Hades. Right. And he goes and gets the keys that were handed to him. And so imagine that now. He goes down and Satan is thinking, hang on, hang on. This can't happen. This wasn't the plan. This wasn't what I thought was going to happen at all. No, 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 I think you're in the wrong place. Yes, you're right. I'm in the wrong place. But I'm on my way to the right place, so I need to get the keys. The keys. The keys that you thought you had. Now, I'm taking that away from you. I'm taking that away from you. And he's now put that in your hands. So if you don't have the mind to realize that and think like that, where are you going to be living your Christian life? 
in defeat. You and I will live our Christian life in a place where everything's so vague and so difficult to begin to achieve. You, you wouldn't dare go out and share with people about Christ. Why? Because you will think that, oh, no, that's only meant for the evangelist. I am not one. When Matthew 28 says that, go into all the world and preach the good news, and these signs will begin to accompany and will begin to follow, right? I'm, I'm just going to end with this with this slide here because this is going to be your assignment. So this is uh, efficacy of church life part 4A. And then there'll be part 4B, which I'll, which I'll finish in a couple of, couple of weeks from now. But follow along with me. If you now, there are preceding verses to 1 Corinthians that I read earlier, right? To verse 16. So before you and I arrive at verse 16, it says this. The mind of Christ stands in sharp contrast to the wisdom of man in verse 5 to 6. So when you have the mind of Christ, what, it, what, what is it saying? That your wisdom, your earthly, our earthly wisdom stands in sharp contrast with that. The next, that the mind of Christ involves wisdom from God, once hidden but now revealed in verse 7. So the revelation of his wisdom, it has been revealed to you and I. Amen? The third aspect, the mind of Christ is given to believers through the Spirit of God in verse 10 to 12. So the Spirit of God now has provided you and I with the mind of Christ. He has given that to you. So do you think you have the mind of Christ now? Do you believe that you have the mind of Christ? Say, I believe I have the mind of Christ. I believe I have the mind of Christ. Exactly. So the, the fifth aspect is this. The mind of Christ now gives believers what discernment in spiritual matters in verse 15. So with the mind of Christ, I am now able to discern. I am able to know what is good, what is actually really bad, what is displeasing to God and what totally pleases the Lord. With the mind of Christ, let me tell you this, you can make the decision to get vaccinated or not. Why not? I've just hit a, maybe a raw nerve. But I've got the mind of Christ. And at times, that's... that's and... And it is these things as we look at church and as we look at church history. Now, I want to bring this to a landing in a sense. We have, as I've mentioned this before, 38,000 denominations. 38,000 denominations. You know, you know when in, if you look in Acts 15 and if you look through the book of Acts, there was the council. There were elders, there were apostles, and there were elders. And whenever there was an issue that took place, whether it was the Gentiles now need to be circumcised, it was brought to the elders, brought to the apostles, brought to the council. 
and the counsel of godly men made the decision. Because in their mindset, imagine this, many of the Jews who became believers were also Pharisees. So as Pharisees, they didn't have the New Testament. They had the Old Testament. So what would their mindset be? The law. Circumcision. They knew no better than that. So what would they then want to do? Impose it on the Gentiles. Until they began, until Peter comes and now tells them, hey, the Holy Spirit just didn't fall on you 120 guys or people. It fell even on the Gentiles. Wow. You mean to say even it could fall on the Gentiles? I thought they couldn't have that because when the Samaritan woman came and, and, and what, did, what did Jesus say to her that this is this this bread is for the Jews and her response was even if I can have the crumbs that would be good enough so within the Gentile mindset is this and within the Jewish mindset was this that we are the chosen we are better off but you guys you can only have the crumbs and here now the Holy Spirit comes and falls upon them so friends, without the proper understanding of the mind of Christ, racial differences will continue to persist. Now, the Tower of Babel that I shared with you, and, and folks, you know, sometimes you may, you may wonder, why, do, why does it take so long to explain all of these things? And, and I tell you why. It's important that you have proper understanding and the structure because as I begin to now talk to you about the Tower of Babel, immediately you know, oh yes, that's a Tower of Confusion. I don't need to explain a whole lot more. And you know that there were 72 languages that were formed just on that one day when God came and divided the people. Why? Because he said, if they have unity, they will, nothing will be impossible to them. But their form of unity was for them to be famous. It was about themselves. It was personal glory. It was not what 1 Corinthians, or rather John 17 says, that the glory you've given me, I have given them. It wasn't that glory. It was this whole personal glory. So God comes and confuses them, right? And they begin to move. And how did they find themselves? They found themselves by going to another person that spoke the language. Right? So they spoke Singhalese. So I found Shami. I'll speak to him. Then I go and I uh, speak uh, what South African languages? Afrikaans. And I speak to Pete. I find Pete. And then I go to Brian and I need to learn to speak nonsense. So I find, okay, it's I learned that language now. It's, it's, so, so that's the language. So that's how we get, you see, we are, we are united in that sense, right? And that's, that's how they began to find people that they could do business with and began to become an ethnic race. 
So what was divisive in the world ain't allowed in the church. God brought division in the world to divide the people, but His Spirit brings unity. That is what we need to ensure does not come into the church. So you and I have to guard this. Above anything and above everything, we've got to guard this. So when you see all the Hasa kids, and when you see about 19 to 20 called, um, uh, which is culturally something linguistic group, right? So they are of, of very different cultures. There are 20 different cultures in our training program. That is an amazing opportunity to see the reversal of Tower of Babel happen. And God has tasked you and I. But friends, if you don't have the mind of Christ, it would seem impossible. Having the mind of Christ will tell you it is possible. Having the mind of Christ will help you and I respond the way Mary did. Right? That Lord, with you, all things are possible. that you are my God, my Savior, that we begin to recognize that. So let me leave that with you. And I want us to, if you've got your communion em emblems, yes, if you can just hand that out. I, I, I want us to begin to consider this, that we are, you know, on Wednesday, a few days ago, this 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 past Wednesday, it was uh, it it was Ash Wednesday, Amen. Which is the start of our Lent, which is forty days before Easter happens, and the period of Lent is a time where we begin to look at seeing what is it that I should give up, what should I be giving up during this time, so that I can focus on what is most important. And so when I begin to think of Lent, and I think of communion, it takes me back to the death, the crucifixion, and obviously the resurrection of the Lord. Amen? So as we begin to take these emblems, as we hold these emblems in our hands, um, might be good if I get one too. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and as we begin to hold these emblems in our hands, the word of the Lord says to remember. to the disciples at the Passover where he introduces this. And in Corinthians in particular, we find that Paul lays, it, lays, this, lays this out to the Corinthian church. 
and he invites them to a place where as you begin to consider the body and as you consider the blood what we are already stating right now what we're doing right now folks is one of the most powerful things that was that has been placed before us that has been provided to us to do this as regularly as we want because each time we are doing this what we're stating is this lord i'm part of this one body i've got this one i've got your one this this one blood that flows through our vein this one body i'm part of this one body and so today as we partake of this i want to ask you to do this you know sometimes how we may just have this cursory understanding or just we look at it and we feel there's a choice there it even says this right leave your gifts put this aside go and settle things with people that you need to settle with you know that's the priority that the lord places in terms of ensuring that we are not divisive that nothing holds us back that nothing divides us as a church so as we hold these emblems i want us to try and understand this that what do who do we need to forgive this morning who is it that we feel we have an angst against that we say lord i forgive now i'm not saying necessarily that you've got to go to that person but you got to start forgiving whoever it is maybe it's your cousin <laughs> maybe it's your mom maybe it's your dad maybe it's your brother or sister maybe the outlaw needs to become an inlaw now maybe someone that you felt that you just can't get close to you just say lord i forgive and in forgiving i want to embrace the mind of christ because the mind of christ says 70 times 7 times it doesn't allow us to come up with excuses but it gives us strength it provides us with the grace to be able to do that which is so hard at times but the grace is there for you and so as you remember his death remember it from the standpoint that it's been once and for all that he did this for you you and i don't need to go through that whole messy process of a sacrificial atonement he's done it for us just thank him right now thank him for his broken body for the body that took your sin took your sickness took your condition took your depravity took mine took all of us and 
then he turns around and says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard of what I have in store for you. So release whatever that needs to be released this morning. And say, Lord, I give it all to you. I give it all to you. Let's partake of the bread together and say, Thank you, Lord, for this bread that symbolizes your body. Thank you for your broken body. Thank you for taking my place. Let's partake of this together. And to seal the covenant, Lord, you had to shed this blood. You know, interestingly, right, in the sixth hour, darkness came over the world for three hours. As your darkness and my darkness fell on, fell on his body, he became dark. He took away our darkness. For three hours he struggled with that. He agonized with it. As the Father laid all of our sin and shame upon him. Then Jesus freely gives his life up. He freely gives up and he says, into your hands I partake of this blood together.